Uh, today is August 31st, 2014, and uh, the title of today's message is, Are We There Yet? Can everybody say that with me? Are We There Yet? Now say it, if, you've ever, if you're a parent and you've ever been on a trip anywhere, uh, it is possible that you've heard, Are We There Yet? And sometimes it's about all of three and a half minutes after you've pulled out of the driveway and the the question starts to come. Uh, Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7. We're going to talk about are we there yet? Um, I just, as I was praying this week and and trying to pull my thoughts together, um, this passage in Deuteronomy 7 came to the forefront. So I'm just going to share it with you. Uh, We're going to start reading in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 1. Is everybody there? Yeah, I was talking, so you were polite and didn't say there. I got it. I got it. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess, and He drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. I know we're not done with this sentence, but I'm going to stop there for a second. Um, if you've been to our foundation meetings on, on Monday nights, those nations should bring uh, should ring something that's very familiar with, with these places. Hold your place there in Deuteronomy. Turn to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, and let's look in verse 17. I am not going to try to go back and and redo what we do on Monday nights. That is a rich well from which to draw. I encourage you, if you are able to make it out on Monday nights, not tomorrow night, but the next week, now that I've asked you to come and we won't be doing it, but okay, verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. Such depth, we won't, I'm going to stay away from it as much as it's calling me to, to go into it. On, the, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. We serve a covenant-making God. Amen? Amen. Oh. And said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenesites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Many of the same places that are in the same area and the same people groups that we're talking about in Deuteronomy are there. And you'll hear these names repeated over and over again. Back to Deuteronomy. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations. Now there's something that we're going to look at here. God is going to drive out nations before the children of Israel. The Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, Sometimes we miss little things in the Scriptures because we're like, hey, if you're like me, you've read this passage many, many times. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, there are processes that God gives. He will hand something over to you and yet at the same time, you have to defeat them. It is this strange uh, dichotomy. It's this strange dualness that is in the Word of God. I have to understand that I don't have the strength on my own, and yet I have to set my face like flint to do His will. I have to go and do this thing before I can actually see how it's going to work out. 
When God gives me something, He has given it to me, but I must take possession of it. There's a, there's a, this both parts of it. Sometimes in our day and age, we say, well, God's given it to us. Therefore, let us just relax, kick back, and enjoy. Okay. I see time and time again that the God has given us something. He's given His people something, and yet they have to work at it. They have to, it's the, uh, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Praise God. Only God can do something like that. But what is the very next thing that happens? He tells the people, go take his grave clothes off. He's alive now, but he's hopping around. There's still this thing that has to be done. You would think that he would have just done it and magically everything is the way it's supposed to be. But there's still something about us in our part of what God is doing. It's about our faith reaching out to God. I mean, the Lord, your God, has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them. Then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Everybody say holy. There is still an importance to holiness in what we're supposed to live in this day and time. We know that as a church. Amen. We're in a world that's trying to get further and further away. I read more and more articles. I read more and more postings from friends of mine, dear friends, who are getting more and more like, eh, I don't see really that there's a hell. I don't really, you know, God is, is so good and He's so gracious and He's so kind. Yes, He is. I'm not negating the kindness of God but it feels like they are focusing on one part of God and making it all of God. They don't understand that He is still a God who demands holiness from us. Amen. He tells us, be holy. Amen. Don't try to be holy. Be holy. Yeah. Yeah. Just do this. Do exactly what I've commanded you to do. And I, lis- I listen to things like that and I go, God, I can't, I can't do that. I'm not sure that I have enough in myself. Yet I choose to follow you anyway. Yet I choose to go, I don't think I have it. I'm pretty sure that I don't have it. And yet you've told me to do this. What choice do I have but to go forward in exactly what you've called me to do? And either you're with me or I die. Either you're with me or I fail in such a colossal way that everyone will see that I didn't have enough. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with going, God, I'd rather fail trying to walk after you than succeed doing what what I call myself to do. Verse 7, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples. (laughs) For you were fewest of all peoples. Hold your place there and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 26. lest you think this is just an Older Testament (laughs) ideology, right? Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. Can I encourage you, if you um, were a straight-A student 
and uh, came from means that God can even use you. <laughs> he can even use you if, you've, if you're talented. We think about it the other way, don't we? Well, of course He's going to use you. I'm talented and smart and whatever. No, well, God may even be able to use you. Because what I found is the people who have the most talent, the most intellect, are often have the most difficult time of going, God, this has got to be you. You've got to move and you've got to go before me or I can't get this done. Problem is, is we want to rely on the strength of our own arms, our own hands. I can do this. I can make this happen by the strength of my own will. Really? Really? You're going to try by your own self to do something that is by nature supernatural. In the natural, you're going to try to do something supernatural. It doesn't even make sense when we actually verbalize it. But many people live that way. I will do this the sheer force of my will. Okay? Great. Good luck on that. <laughs> How's that working for you? All right? There's a TV psychologist. How's that working for you? How, it, it, this, is, this is what we are. And the sooner that we can realize that this is what we are, this right here, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. Despised. People will look at you and just despise you. And then you might be in a position where God can use you. Amen. If you've never had someone look at you and think you worthless, praise God for you. But I would imagine in my life, I've had that happen to me more times than not. People will look at me. Uh, I, was, I was talking to Sasha the other day and we were at lunch and we were talking and I... I went to school as a music major. I went to college as a music major. Um, I was a poor kid. I taught myself everything that I learned about music. Um, made some prestigious bands as a high schooler and was able to get to college in music. Um, I would have a weekly one-on-one -on -one lesson with a professor. Just the professor and me. Nowhere to hide. Not an ensemble. An ensemble. Right? Just me and the professor who played in symphonies around the world. And so I'd sit there and all that we would do week after week was he would basically come in there and tell me how bad I was. <laughs> Felt like if, it, if he would have had a British accent, I thought it had been Simon Cowell, man. <laughs> like he'd just bash me every time. You're terrible. You're awful. How do you even call yourself a music major? Right? Clarinet player. I'm in there. He's like, and, and literally, he would tell me time after time, you need to find a new major. Find a new major. You're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. What a moron. How could you stay? This, I call it, it was the weekly beatdown. <laughs> Tuesday afternoons at 3 p.m. Yay! So excited. Praise God. I get to go in and get totally thrashed every time. Dear God, help me. And literally, he did this over and over and over again. And one day he said it. He's like, look, I'm done with you. You need to go find a new major. I'm sitting there. I just put my clarinet in my lap. Good Jewish name, Cohen, was his last name. Stephen Cohen. And I said, Dr. Cohen, thank you. I think I'm, I'm like 18 at this time. 
thank you for your very wise and educated perspective. I don't think that you're incorrect, but my God told me to do this. So we could keep going back and forth like this for the next four years. Or you can just go ahead and, like, I'm not going anywhere. If you want me to go somewhere, just fail me. Flunk me out, kick me out. If you're leaving it up to me, I'm staying. That wasn't the last time that he ever told me that I should leave. But it was the last time that we ever had a real disagreement about it. He would start to say something and just go, okay, play it again. <laughs> Good, God, because, uh, oh, you know, and I'm in there week after week after week after week after week after year after year after year. Now, what I didn't know was this was part of his motivation for many of the students once we ever finally got together, like, oh, yeah, he tore me down every week. And I'm like, good. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but good. It's not just me. You know, you have this perspective of, look, if you haven't ever had someone look to your face and say you're not enough, I just don't think you've done enough. You've probably been playing it too safe. For someone to come up to you and go, hey, I just, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? We're despised. People will look at you, and especially if you have the favor of God on you, they will despise you. They will not like you and not even give you a chance to know anything about you. Praise God. Praise God that He is working things in us each and every day. I needed Dr. Cohen at Louisiana State University to shred me every single week for four years. I needed it. I needed to die more and more to the praise of man. I needed to be able to go, God, you've called me this, and I'm not even sure if I'm good enough. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I'm not. little secret for everybody, he was actually right. I didn't really argue with him. I got to college on an instrument that was one-fifth of the value of everyone else's instrument in, in the music studio. One-fifth or less of my value. I'm like... <laughs> They've got gold encrusted, you know. <laughs> they didn't. But it was, you know, these beautiful instruments. And I'm like, well, praise God, I've got what I've got. I've got, God isn't asking me to do something else for someone else. He's asking me to be who He's called me to be. That's fine. Amen. I'm going to go forward as long as God keeps telling me to. I'm just going to walk forward. Well, I don't feel successful. I don't care. I'm going to die to myself and keep pressing forward in exactly what God is calling me to do. But people are despising me. Yep, that's the way this works. The more godly you are sometimes, the more people despise you. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that I still... What it does is it showed me how much I really wanted the approval of other people. Even ungodly people. People who had a levels of authority and incredible levels of uh, accomplishment. I, wanted, I still wanted them to go, Oh, you're such a good little player. Huh. I didn't realize it was in there and I would have said, I'm dying to self daily. But I got to see by through this interaction of what I was really made of. Back in 1 Corinthians, it says, He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. To nullify the things that are. He's not saying they aren't. He's saying that you get to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. 
That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 7. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you, the fewest of all people. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your fathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. If you don't think you've ever come from the land of slavery, you might want to reevaluate your life before Christ. Brought you out by his mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Isn't that an interesting statement? Know that God is God. Huh. Maybe it's because we need to actually focus in on that sometimes. Amen. That God is God. <laughs> I, there's, there's other phrases in the Bible that do that. It is for freedom that He has set you free. <laughs> this is genius level, folks. This is awesomeness. He set you free to be free. <laughs> Am I missing something? And the answer must be, yes, I must have missed something. Consider that the Lord your God is God. It's not just a title. It's who He is. He is God. I'm going to trust Him more than I trust my own perspective. It's amazing that we say that. I trust God more. The truth is, is in my life, most of the time, I trust me a whole lot. I'm wired to trust me. I'm wired to think that I'm right about, I don't know, I'm, I'm a very opinionated person. I see things and I think I know what's going on. Often, more often, most of the time, more often than actually what is reality. <laughs> I don't always have a, a right perspective on things. I was able to, uh, um, in our apartment complex that we're at, Lord's been doing really some fun things. Um, we've been getting to interact with people. I was in the gym in our little very small, very limited gym the other day, and I had a friend, and his name is Raj. Raj is from India, and uh, we got to having a really good discussion over in between sets and working out. We were, we were talking about things, and we were going back and forth, and it was really, uh, it was really an interesting conversation that I had with Raj. Um, one of his main points was this, not surprising. Basically, if we were all enlightened enough, then we can find God. The comparison that I gave to him was this. I said, Rush, you're, you're an engineer and you work a lot with computer programs. He was like, yes, I do. I said, let me ask you this. You're basically saying that a program, a computer program that is flawed can fix itself. He was like... He, he literally put the, put the weights down and kind of went... No, I don't think that's what I'm saying. I was like, okay, well then, then explain to me how, how my metaphor isn't correct. I, I don't think I can right now. You're saying that the flawed creation can redeem itself in such a way that it becomes unflawed. The very, I'm flawed though. I can't do this on my own. I need someone to reach down and say, hey, you are God. He is a faithful God keeping keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commands. But those who hate Him, He will repay to their face. In your face. By destruction. 
He will not be slow to repay to their face. That's how it sounds in my head. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Those who hate him. Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. And let's know what happens if we are careful to follow. If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your forefathers. He will love you and bless you and increase your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain, new wine and oil, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks and the land that he swore to your forefathers to give you. You will be blessed more than any other people. None of your men and women will be childless, nor any of your livestock without young. The Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on all who hate you. You must destroy all the peoples the Lord your God gives over to you. Is he still a loving God? Yep. But he gives very clear instructions. Do not look on them with pity and do not serve their gods. For that will be a snare to you. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. Now, wait a second. God just laid out for them this incredible, these incredible blessings and promises. I'm going to do this for you. It's, it's going to be incredible and blessing and honor and increase and blessing and honor and increase. And then you may be saying to yourselves, as he's explaining this to them, these nations are stronger than we are. Well, yeah, you're correct. How can we drive them out? Verse 18, but do not be afraid of them. Remember well that the Lord your God did to what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. How many times are there um, a pile of stones in the Bible that were listed, that were brought up as a memorial to what God has done? Um, when I was a, a, a principal, high school principal and assistant principal, I actually had a file in my desk. And it was just encouraging letters. Dear Mr. Sutherland, you rock. Love, Stacy. Okay, great. <laughs> going in the, it was going in the file. I didn't know. I didn't throw any of them away. You know, some of them were deeper. They were more meaningful. They were off of gifts or whatever. And I put them in the file. Because you know what? There were some days where I was like, Lord, my God, why do you have, why has thou forsaken me? <laughs> right? I'm sitting there and dealing with trouble after trouble after upset parent after upset parent and kicking kids out and ah! I rock. <laughs> you know, whatever it is. I, I had an encouragement folder. I did. I just had to go back and I wanted to remind myself, not of, that I rock, but that didn't hurt. But really what I was looking for was to go, God, if you've allowed me to make an impact here, if you've chosen this weak thing and someone can see something good in me, it must be that they see you. I'm going to remind myself of the greatness that you've done. Amen. That kid got filled with the Spirit. Amen. In a Baptist school. That's pretty awesome. That's awesome. You go through these different things and I go, God, surely if you've done it before, you can do it again. Let me not lose heart where I am today. I still have to press on. I still have to act right when nobody else around me does. I still have to do exactly what you're calling me to, to, to do. And I have to be who you're calling me to be. I think it's the funniest thing in the world that I was a disciplinarian, a high school disciplinarian. If you know me at all, that's like a weird... Like, why would you, God, why would you have chosen me? This laid-back, 
band director guy who never even wrote a kid up, and you want me to do this? Mm -hmm. So I took it very, very seriously. I went, God, you must want me. I don't need to try to become this iron-fisted guy because that's not who I am. So I'm going to be me doing what you've called me to do. Verse 19. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the miraculous signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. We have a very short memory as Christians sometimes. God can do miracles. He's healing babies here at this church. Right? Babies who shouldn't be alive are sitting right about there. People who should already have died from cancer. Guess what? Not there anymore. We have experienced these things and sometimes we just forget in the everyday life. We'll get to something and we'll get to another hurdle and we'll go, Oh Lord, have you forgotten me? Seriously? (laughs) The same people that they're worried about. These people just... Do Do you remember Egypt? Do you remember how big those people were? Do you remember how it took care of you? Remember how I miraculously caused water to part so that you could walk through? If you're Joshua, you remember how I caused the sun to stand still? Do you remember these things? And yet we're here and we lose heart. We get faint sometimes going, Oh, God, another day, another problem. <sighs> look, what it, look what it keeps saying. We need to remember what God has done. Verse 20, Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them. It's an interesting phraseology among them until even the survivors who hide from you have perished do not be terrified by them for the lord your god who is among you is great and an awesome god by the way god's awesome (laughs) remember that god is god god is awesome right i love these i love these phrases verse 22 the lord your god will drive out those nations before you little by little everybody say little by little you will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once. God, why doesn't God just take these problems away from me? Now, maybe you're mature enough in your Christianity that you haven't said it like that in a while. Right? We expect that to be a a newbie, a new convert type thing. Lord, why doesn't God just take all of my problems away? The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. There is some perseverance that we need to possess in this race. Yes. It doesn't matter if I see how it's working out. I just keep pressing forward. Yes. I just step forward. God, I'm not even sure if this is right, but all I know is you told me something before and I'm doing, I'm going to go forward in faith that you're going to be with me. I can't feel you. I can't see you. I'm not sure where you are. Why won't you answer me? Why won't you make things clear to me? And yet here I go forward. Here I go forward. I'm not going to have my head downcast. Why so downcast? Why do we get so downcast in how we walk and how we live this life? We should lift up our eyes to Him and say, Lord, I'm going to press forward. This hurts. I'm not sure if I have enough strength, but you know what? That's all I got today. I went that far, but you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to go... Even if it's drudgery even if it's painful, because you know what? You say that you're going to do this little by little. You're going to drive out the nations before me if I keep going forward little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once. 
And yet, this is from the loving God. You cannot get rid of all your problems. Quit trying to pray that all your problems go away. Just don't do it. Um, I grew up in a, in, a, in a great home, great godly home, but like everybody's home, we had some difficulties. Um, my dad had some particular difficulties growing up. He, the medical stuff were bipolar issues, and it created a lot of uh, angry encounters between me and my dad. Actually, it wasn't so much me. It was just anyone who was around, right? Get married to my incredible wife. We start having our own family. And I struggled for the longest time. I would expect things to be different with my dad. This is crazy. I have to pay my dad's rent again. I'm 23 years, 22 years old. I would give my, my parents all my scholarship money coming through college. I'd get a scholarship and just write it over to them. Just, I was part of the house and I did it with joy and was trying to honor my parents and, and I get a few years along and I'm like, why am I having to support my parents? This is weird. This is backwards. This is not the way that it's supposed to be. And so I just kept struggling. And one day the wisdom, <laughs> the wisdom of a wife, amen, if you're married, you understand this. My wife just said, why do you keep expecting it to be different? I got nothing. <laughs> I had no answer for her, but she brought clarity to it going, why do you expect your dad to be able to do things that your dad can't do? Do I want to pray for him to get, did I want to pray for him to get whole and healed? Of course I did. But in the meantime, I had my expectations in a way that every time he failed, which was inevitable, that I was torn up. I was broken. Oh, how can this be? Woe is me. When my wife spoke clarity and said, why do you expect it to be different? I, ha- I started handling things with my dad a thousand times better. I just went, praise God. Lord, even in weakness, Lord, would you be exalted? Amen. Do it with joy. I quit expecting that there would be no problems with me and my dad. And I just went, thank you, Lord, that you've chosen me. And I'm going to do the... I'm going to spend every waking moment to try to honor my father. Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to, when he got sick last year, I drove from Austin to Baton Rouge just about every weekend. If I couldn't go on the weekend, I'd work it out and go in during the week just to be with him. I wanted to honor my father because my wife spoke wisdom into me and said, quit expecting it to be different. Can I speak the same thing to you guys today? Quit expecting that the difficulties won't be there. Quit getting surprised every time there's a difficulty in your family, in your body. And this is part of what we do because if God says, I'm not going to allow you to eliminate all your problems at once. Um, let me phrase it differently. Quit your whining. Love yeah. you. Love you. <laughs> Love y'all. Amen. Quit your whining. It's not going to fix it anyway. It's going to keep you as a woe is me type attitude. That's not what God's going to honor. God, you love me enough that you're not going to allow me to eliminate all my problems at once. That's right. This is an act of compassion towards me to have difficulties in my life. It is, it is your love and your presence in my life that I don't know the answer to this question that I have. <laughs> he loves me by not telling me the answer. You know why? Because he wants me to seek him. Yes. He wants me to search it out and go, you know the answer to this one? Or you're going to figure out the answer to this one? Come work on this. If 
right? As a school teacher, I promise you it happens every day. Kids are like, hey, what's the answer to that? Um, this is pretty much the whole point of this. You're supposed to tell me the answer. This is a test. I will not tell you the answer that you will then repeat back to me. I'm trying to see if you know it. We do that all the time. We're in the test and we're going, God, uh, can you share the answer with me? You know this answer. Don't expect it not to be there. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once. Why? Or the wild animals will multiply around you. I think that's just the most unique thing. So God has given them this expansive land, but they're not big enough. They're not, they haven't increased enough where they can actually occupy what God has given them. They're not big enough to occupy the space, the domain, the kingdom that God has given them. Some of us just need to be encouraged by the fact that it's, it's, it's theirs. He's promised it to them. And yet they're not big enough to take hold of it yet. So the little by little is going to allow them to grow enough that they can occupy the land without even the little things getting to them. Animals? Seriously. The reason you're not going to solve my problems is because of raccoons. I have rabid raccoons running around. No, really the point is, is you're not big enough to handle the fullness of what God has because you don't see it. You don't know it yet. Be encouraged. If you're in a struggle, if you are constant, if you're in an area where you feel, you feel downcast, why are you expecting it to be different? Lord, thank you. I'm going to be joyful in all things. Thank you, Lord, that you're working things out in Victoria. Thank you. We don't, how, we don't see it or Chicago or with our children or with, or with cancer. Whatever it is, we go, hey, this is part of what we are to do so that we can expand and grow and possess every bit of what God has given us. Every bit, when they were leaving Egypt, what is it? we're not even going to leave a hoof behind. We don't want to leave any one part. I don't want to not occupy everything that God has given me to do. Everything. I want every square inch of what He has assigned to me to be fulfilled. And because I want that, He loves me enough, He's going to put some difficulty in my life. He's going to put some times where I don't feel His presence and I have to just trust that He's there. Just as much as He's going to overwhelm me with His presence and I can't help but weep. Both of them are Him in my life. I'm not going to look for it to be one way just because I like it that way. As a matter of fact, I know there's going to be some difficulties here because He even wants to take care of the little things that would end up destroying it. It would end up occupying it where we couldn't do the fullness of what God has for us. Verse 23, But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. We are not to be the ones in confusion. God will throw the enemy into confusion. He will give their kings into your hand and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. Wow. No one will be able to stand up against you. We like that part. You will destroy them. The images of their gods you are to burn in the fire. Do not covet the silver and the gold on them. And do not take it for yourselves or you will be ensnared by it. Don't covet the silver and the gold. For it is detestable to the Lord your God. Do not bring a detestable thing into your house or you, like it, 
will be set apart for destruction. Just going to, I'm going to read that again. And I'm going to ask that you listen to it with your heart. Do not bring a detestable thing into your house or you, like it, will be set apart for destruction. Utterly abhor and detest it, for it is set apart for destruction. Here's a few things that happen when we don't increase enough. We've got to grow. The struggle is to help us to grow, to occupy everything that God has for us. Here's a few things. Turn to Judges chapter 1. Y'all with me? Yes. Okay, just checking. Judges chapter 1. When we don't increase into our inheritance, when we don't increase into our calling, if you're taking notes, I would put number one under this. When we don't increase, number one, we allow excuses to be enough. We allow excuses to be enough. Judges chapter 1, verse 19. The Lord was with the men of Judah. Amen. They took possession of the hill country. But look, but they were unable to drive the people from the plains because they had iron chariots. God told them to occupy the land, to push back, to drive out the nations. Actually, it says that He would drive them out before them. As long as they kept going forward, He would drive these nations out. And the the first group that's going to go out and try to conquer this area, Judah. Lord was with the men of Judah. They took possession of the hill country. They were unable to drive the people from the plains. Why? Because they had iron chariots. Um, but God, this is hard. You've promised us these great things. You said that you would go before us. You said that you'd be with us. And Judah says, um, they have iron chariots. You guys came from Egypt. They had iron chariots. You saw what God did there. Really, the excuse that you have for not taking this area is they have iron chariots? Remember that the Lord your God is God? Why do we let excuses come in? Because we haven't grown yet enough. We haven't increased it enough in ourselves that we allow the excuses to be okay. We say, you know what? Look, either because of comparison with someone else or because we just get tired of the fight, we just go, eh, They have iron chariots. Eh. It might hurt for me to do that. It might cost me a lot. It might be a very great difficulty. And they didn't completely drive these people out because of technology? Huh. When we don't increase enough, we want, number one, allow excuses to be enough. Number two, we allow people to stay who shouldn't stay. We allow people to stay in our lives who shouldn't be there. Verse 19, we just talked about it from Judah. Verse 21, the Benjamites, however, failed to dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the Benjamites. Verse 27, but Manasseh did not drive out the people of Bashan or Tanakh or Dor or Iblim or Megiddo and their surrounding settlements for the Canaanites were determined to live in the land. So the Canaanites were determined. Canaanites were determined, so they just go, oh, guess we can't drive them out. That's a difficult people. When we don't increase enough, we allow people to stay who shouldn't stay. 
Verse 29, Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites living in um, Gezer, but the Canaanites continued to live there among them. Do you guys remember what God had told them? Drive them all out. Get them all out. You, you work through this and I will push them out in front of you. Nope. They're going to... Almost every... You see it over and over and over again. They allow people to stay who shouldn't stay. Number three, we create problems. When we don't increase enough, we create problems for generations that follow. We create problems for the generations that follow. Uh, Judges chapter 2, verse 10. Judges 2, 10. After the whole generation had gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who neither who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. When we don't occupy the land, when we don't push back darkness, our kids don't learn what it's like to have to fight. They don't know what God can do. They hear the stories of old, but our generations don't know it. Verse 11, Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. We create problems for the next generations. We also get entangled with worldliness. When you don't continue to push forward in God, you end up getting entangled in worldliness. Verse 12, They forsook the Lord their God, the God of their fathers who brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook Him and served Baal and the Asherahs. When we, when we don't increase, when we're tired of the struggle... We allow foreign gods to come into our own hearts. We allow foreign things in us, strange fires to come in. Chapter 2, verse 22. Uh, let's go to verse 20, I'm sorry. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, Because this nation has violated the covenant that I laid down for their forefathers and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died. They had messed this enough that God had said, I will drive them all out. And now He's saying, eh, okay, because of your hearts, we're going to modify the plan here. We're going to have to adjust because of where you are, not because of God. And what does He say in verse 22? I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord. <laughs> the very thing that was supposed to be a victory in their lives turned around and became a test in their lives. He promised to be with them and drive them completely out. And now he's saying, no, we're going to go ahead and leave that there because now this is going to be a tool of testing in your own life. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their forefathers did. The Lord had allowed these nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. And the last one, verse chapter 3, verse 1. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. Verse 2. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not yet experienced previous... Who not... I'm sorry. Who had not had previous battle experience. Wow. <laughs> because you didn't keep going, now nobody knows how to fight. So the victory that's there now, I'm going to use it to have, because you're going to have to know how to fight. 
You have to know how to press in. You have to know how to keep going forward when you, when you can't feel like it. You have to understand, I was never a boxer or anything, but there are, there are times that I've heard of. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I watch fail videos sometimes. I do. I'm sorry. I know I'm not as godly as you guys. but And you will see, I, I was watching one the other day or it came up on something, and this boxer, and literally, he could not pick up his arms anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, you're like, you're in trouble, dude. <laughs> you know, one of the stiff knockouts, you know, like the, who was it, the goats? Was that you, Brent, that mentioned the, the fainting goats, right? Dude was in trouble. He, he had lost the, the energy to fight. We've got to be able to keep our guard. We've got to be able to turn, clinch, and mount an offensive. You guys, do you realize the words that we've heard as a church of late? You've heard about fear and desire. Uh, Joe preached, maybe it, was, maybe it was last month, about sometimes God takes us the long way. Right? We've heard that we're supposed to clinch, turn, and mount an offensive. You guys realize these aren't singleton services that happen. But these are pathways that God is laying out to encourage His people and tell us to do something. He's encouraging us at each turn. When we're supposed to understand the progression of the Beatitudes in our own life, that we're supposed to be poor. And, do you understand that these are, these are steps for us to take? Lest we just think it's just here. Right? I hear, I hear a progression of what God is speaking to us. I hear a pathway that's illuminated. I see a pathway that's illuminated for me by, by what everyone speaks as it's coming on. I'm going, oh, that fits. The armor of God. Oh, well, if we're supposed to be going forward to possess the land. I hear these things in this, in this pattern. So how are we supposed to increase? Turn to Joshua chapter 18. Joshua chapter 18. Let's start in verse 1. Joshua 18, verse 1. The whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under the control, their control. But there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. Verse 3. So Joshua said to the Israelites, How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? How long are you going to wait? Well, we haven't gotten our inheritance yet. How long are you going to wait? Appoint three men from each tribe. I will send them out to make a survey of the land and to write a description of it. Joshua's saying, would you get moving, please? It's like a gate that opens up and you've got this incredible acreage that you've got there. And you go, God has given me this land. And he opens the gate and you stand there at the gate. God has, do you see this great land that God has given me? Isn't this wonderful? You're still at the gate. Go. Start enjoying, walk the property line. I don't know, do something with it. Go see what you have. Trust was like, would you go ahead and search this thing out? Let me encourage you folks, whatever God is calling you to do, Individually, whatever God is calling us to do corporately, let's search it out. Amen. Well, I don't know, but what? If, search it out. Go look into it. When I when I wanted to get to college, I mean, I went and researched things. I either want to do this 
or I want to do this. You know what I did? I just, and I'm a nerd, I get it. I went and studied these things out. Who's got the best program for this? Where can I go to learn what I need to learn in this? Let me do a cost analysis. Let me figure out where, where can I afford to go? I started searching things out. And you know what? God's will became pretty stinking clear to me. It wasn't an intellectual pursuit, but I was searching things out and God went, that's what I want. Ooh, cool. All right, God, that's awesome. So we need to search it out if we're going to increase. The next thing we need to do, Deuteronomy chapter 8. I know we were just there in 7, but Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1. How do we increase? We've got to search it out. You're not going to increase by accident. You've got to actually search this out. The next thing you've got to do is Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess. You can enter and not possess. You can enter and stay there at the gate and not have a full understanding of what God's given you and enjoy the gate. I'm not saying the gate is wrong. Praise God, you're in the, you're in the field. Hallelujah. But that you may enter and possess. Guys, I've got to desire my heart to enter and possess all that God has for me. I don't care if I'm not enough. I'm pretty much well resigned that I'm not. But I'm going to enter and possess because I'm going to hear and obey what He's saying. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you. I'm just, I'm just uh, simple enough to think that if I just do what He says, especially when I don't get it, if I know it's Him, I'm doing it. And by the way, I'm not waiting until I'm 100% sure that it's Him. There's not been a whole lot of my time, times in my life where I'm 100% sure of, of anything. I'm going to go, God, I'm feeling like really strong this is You. Here I go. If I'm wrong, just be with me anyway. I'm trying. We've got to search it out. We've got to obey so that we can enter and possess. Turn to Luke chapter 17. We're almost done here. We're wrapping this up. Luke chapter 17. <laughs> We've got to search it out. We've got to obey it out. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. I'll call this, we've got to faith it out. <laughs> The apostle said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. Help us. Help us in our unbelief, mighty God. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Same topic of faithing it out. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Start in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 1, 4. I always thank God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in Him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ Jesus was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. You do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end. I get excited when I hear that. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord. God who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, He is faithful. Amen? Amen. Turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 
chapter 1. Apparently Jennifer is the only one that's there today. That's good. That's good. I like it. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything. Everybody say everything. everything. We need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Not only His glory, but just His goodness. He calls us. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, we just read, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness Love. That sounds like an increasing to me. He gives you a pathway. I'm not sure that it's necessarily linear. (laughs) I've got to start with faith, and then I add goodness next. And once I have all of goodness, then I move on. I see it as an ever-increasing cycle of these things, more like a spiral. I'm doing these things. I'm growing. I'm learning. Oh, look, I'm back around where God's teching me on my faith again. And He's encouraging me to be good. And He's encouraging... It's this constant encouragement. Maybe I should do it in a where you get deeper as it goes along. I'm not going to touch faith once and then never touch it. Been in Christ for however many years and I've, I've checked faith off the list. No, I've done it for whatever level I'm at and now we're going to new levels. Amen. Now we're understanding more. Now I can, oh God, I thought I had faith in you in this area, but now you're requiring more of me. I thought I gave you all I had before. You did. All you knew how to give. And he's showing you, you do have more that you can give me. Oh, wow. I was pretty proud of that last time, actually. You mean I got to go more? Yes, you've got to go more. Yes. But God, I really moved in faith four years ago. Fantastic. What about today? Why? Because that's the little by little. That's the how we take possession of the land. We just keep going forward. We don't rest on what we've done before. All the way through. Uh, Turn to Romans chapter 5. And then Romans chapter 5. Amen. Start in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hmm. If you are feeling hopeless, <laughs> there's hope in the glory of God. Amen. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Christians are some weird folks. I'm going through a trial. Woohoo! So it, we rejoice in our suffering. Not, <laughs> I don't need to go get a group of people to tell me how bad my suffering is. Oh. Come here, Nolan. Do you know how bad my day was? Oh my gosh, it was so terrible. Praise God. This is the little by little. God, you're causing increase in me because this is tough. But I rejoice, not even in what's going on, but I trust in Him that He's got good for me. That He is doing this because He loves me. Praise God, I must be able to handle more than I could yesterday. Because this feels pretty stinking crushing. 
<laughs> I'm not sure I can breathe. And yet here we go forward. I'm not, I, God, I don't see how this is going to work out. And yet I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to slow down. I'm not going to step aside. I'm going to keep doing exactly what you've called me to do. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know. Because we're just weird and we like pain? No. We know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. Praise God. I've been disappointed a whole lot. (laughs) Mostly by myself. (laughs) I disappoint myself all the time. But this hope does not disappoint because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Last one here. Galatians chapter 3. Got to search it out. How are we going to increase? The Bible is so full of things. It's so clear of what we're supposed to do. (laughs) We're supposed to be poor in spirit. If God hasn't given you a fresh word, start with the Beatitudes. Go back and listen to that sermon. If God hasn't spoken to you lately, then revisit uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 that we just read. Add to your faith. If, if God hasn't spoken to you all, read Romans 5. It should be speaking to you. We were going to rejoice in the suffering. He's laid it out very clearly to us. Lord, when I don't hear a specific word, I, n- I know where to look. I'm going to keep walking in what you have for us. Galatians chapter 3. Sorry, I didn't get there. I was talking. There. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Verse 1. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one more thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Really? You're going to try to do this all by yourself? By the sheer, I I don't mean to keep going on back to the same phrase, but by the sheer force of your will, you're going to do these things? That makes us the one with the strong arms. That makes us with the one with the super clear vision. But we're saying, God, we're going forward. Um, just in closing, Matt, you guys are welcome to come up. There's this incredible nature that we have to do, and we have to deal with. We have to understand that we're not enough but understand that He still tells us to go forward anyway so that His power can be seen in us. I want to be like, uh, be like the story in the Bible. The woman who brought the oil before Jesus. I am guilty of coming to Jesus with oil and wanting to measure it out. What if I don't have enough? Lord, I love you. Look, I'm giving to you. But the picture there is the tears that cleansed his feet and the oil that was poured out without measure. She did not measure the oil and the part of her life that she gave. She realized the value in who it was that she was before and literally poured it all out. Broken. We want God to bless sometimes things that we're not willing to break. When God took the bread, He broke it and blessed it. There's a brokenness that we have to have to go, God, I don't want to be so foolish. This thing started in the Spirit. I've been at it for five minutes or I've been at it for 50 years. I still have to have Your Spirit here so that we can increase 
and fully occupy the land that you've given us. Amen. Amen. We're going to begin to sing here in a moment. It's always an interesting perspective as a pastor in a church. You ask, Lord, why? Why do you give us the words that you do? In this case, I know. You're going to give birth to something. Pain is only going to increase. And about the place that you think you cannot breathe is when life begins. It's not that the Lord just is some kind of sadist who delights in your pain. That's not it at all. It's that when you're crushed and you're broken is when life can come out of you. It's the end of self-sufficiency. I want to tell you that somewhere between Matthew 4.17 when he says repent, the kingdom is here. The word here can be translated near. It can be upon you. It can be, is about to envelop you. Somewhere between the idea that the kingdom is happening right now and the next one in Matthew 6 where he says, thy kingdom come is where you live. There are things that God has promised you and that you know it. And they're, they're very much here. They're now. They're upon you. And there is the greater fulfillment of it that you're still waiting for, praying for. This pastor is trying to encourage us to take it a piece at a time. To go after it little by little. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to our God, but the things He has revealed to us and our children's children. What you grab hold of in your lifetime is transmitted to your children. It's transmitted to those who are around you and they guard it and they grow it and they protect it and then they transmit it. Jesus Christ entrusted you with something. When you were born again, it was not just to save you from hell. It was the very growth of the nature of His kingdom on this planet. And it starts a single life at a time. The same God that says, go into that land, I'm giving it to you. And NIV says you'll totally destroy it. It's not what the Hebrew says. It says you will irrevocably give it over to God. Well, which is it? He gives it to us and as we do what He says to do, we are giving it right back to Him. Could we stand on our feet and consider that the Holy Spirit may be asking something of you today?